Dave Major Falcon. To all you people out there, this is Paul Purdue, your host of uh, Talking Antiques. I'm Matt, my producer. How are you today, Matt? I'm doing well. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, it, one has to understand that only for Matt, I wouldn't be making such a good show here, so I have to try and keep on his good side. And you're listening to us on 1350 WZGM, Independent National Radio. And, uh, of course, I have a Facebook page called uh, Talking Antiques. As well as that, we do podcast it. So if you get a chance, go ahead and go over to the page and have a look at it. Put your name down, like me, do whatever you like. Send me questions, whatever you want to do, and we'll talk about them in upcoming shows. Before we get started, of course, I must um, talk about my sponsors village antiques if you're down around biltmore village please go into village antiques it it's sort of um very unusual place when you go past it you wouldn't think very much of it but the minute you go inside it's sort of like going into another world quality after items is way above average and you will be surprised with all the the american italian dutch and maybe a bit of English, and maybe the odd little spot of Irish furniture that might be hanging around the place. Also, there'll be paintings, jewellery, pottery, silver, gold, you name it. So if you get a chance, have a chat with David and Terry, and they will look at you. Remember, they're on 755 Biltmore Avenue. And, of course, they have a web page called villageantiquesonline.com. And, lo and behold, today's show is going to be slightly different. And we're not going to be talking about antiques in general, but I have a very good friend of mine here, and his name is David Leglise from Village Antiques. And how are you, David? Good, Paul. How are you today? I'm doing very good, and uh, we are most delighted to have you here, and um, thank happy, you for coming. Happy to be here, Paul. You're welcome. Now, as we have a sh- not a very long show, I'm just going to get right into it, and You know, a lot of people ask me, how did you fall into antiques? How did you get into the antique business? So, David, if you have a few moments, why don't you tell us a little bit of, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how did you fall into antiques? Well, that's a funny question that antique dealers always ask each other because it's a strange business to get into and it's always a funny way that you end up in it. I was in uh, school in New Orleans and uh, I had a French professor who had a friend who was a dealer and she would go over to Europe, mostly northern France and southern Belgium and buy antiques and she needed somebody to go over who spoke French and drive a truck around and pick up things and I thought that was an awesome job to have for a summer as a college kid. would be, it definitely would be, particularly if you speak French, I don't. One of the big problems I got over there and realized, though, is I didn't know how to drive a truck on the floor with a stick shift. So imagine going uphill, little medieval <laughs> villages with a stick shift on the floor. I had a lot of irate French and Belgian guys behind me. Well, that's true. Americans really like to drive automatics, and it's sort of funny. In, in Europe, it's more expensive to drive an automatic, so you have to learn. You have to learn. It's hard to find one. You can't. Uh, they're, they're just not around, so... Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was an education. I, I drove around in the summer and picked up antiques, uh, went on buying, you know, adventures with, uh, my old boss in New Orleans. And, uh, we mostly bought, uh, religious items, a lot of stuff coming out of okay. Catholic churches from the 18th and 19th century, go to flea markets. We went to festivals. We went to people's houses. 
bought all over Europe, but uh, by the end of the summer, I had the bug. I was I loved antiques, yeah. and and it was it was quite an adventure. You don't follow it; it follows you. Yeah, it's it's a sickness, and that's for all you all you collectors out there. People that always ask me, you know, you know, why did you get into that business? You know, as you know yourself, David, the antique business is, uh, you know, it's uh, stock rich and cash poor. You're all the time struggling to find out, and you're dealing and wheeling and dealing. Do you find that? Yeah, our, our joke at the shop is you buy or you die. So <laughs> so we buy we buy a lot of things in a year. Last year, we probably bought close to 4,000 items in wow. one year. And uh, we maintain an inventory uh, right around sixteen to 17,000 things on a regular basis. So, so it's like a, a massive amount of material. So if, you're, if you sell a, a certain amount of it, you're always trying to keep up that inventory. Always looking for stuff, always trying to keep up that end of in inventory. And, uh, you know, when people come in the shop, they want to see new stuff. They want to see what you've found lately. And, and so that's just part of the business. You always exactly. have to be out there looking for stuff. Well, well how did you end up in, in Asheville? I, you know, I, I was in, I got out of school and uh, I had another professor who was a, a glass uh, professor and he came up to Penland and uh, okay. I came up here with him to uh, do a summer class and, and uh, ended up liking it. So my wife and I, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, came up to Penland and, and I spent a, a semester up there doing blacksmithing. Oh. And then I did some um, experimental woodworking so, and, and stayed up and ended up loving Asheville. So ended up... Yeah, that's, uh, as Matt says, it's a funky town. Yeah, fun place. And uh, so, how long have you been in Asheville? Uh, let's see, 1999. Wow. And uh, got involved with uh, my partner Terry uh, at uh, Village Antiques in uh, 2001. And uh, been with him. He opened Village Antiques in, let's see, 1990. So this is our 25th year that we've been there. Very good. Um, and, and what and, uh, over the last 25 years, where have you seen the antique business sort of going, in Asheville or in general? Well, you know, the antique business has changed a lot. Um, I'm a younger guy in the business. Most, most guys, uh, you know, the older guys always like to talk about the glory days of the business, and I guess it's like that in any industry. But um, the thing that's changed a lot, I think, is, is the wealth of knowledge that's out there. The Internet yeah. has really changed the business. Um, the ability to find information about items. It, it, it's a double-edged sword because yeah. it's somewhat dangerous. Uh, people tend to think they're instant experts because they can Google something online and understand it. But uh, it really takes a base of knowledge to understand what something is. And I think that the Internet, obviously, is the thing that's changed the business the most. I, I would agree with you there. A lot of people seem to think that, um, you know, that because something is valuable, then every piece of that particular piece is valuable. They don't realize that it's got to do with condition. It's got to do with rarity. It's got to do with what people... Antiques, as you would probably tell me, is sort of like uh, people's mood up and down. Would yeah, you agree it, with that? it's very nuanced. Um, you know, people's uh, fas fashion affects the industry. You know, people what people want one day. You know, Downton Abbey has had an effect on the antique business recently. Um so culture definitely affects what people buy and sell and, and what they want to have in their houses. And, and so that affects what we're out looking for and what we buy. Um, you know, for a while, mid-century, modern stuff, vintage furniture has been very popular. And it's, but we're starting to see even that ebb some uh, as, as people start getting more of an eclectic interest in things. 
Well, now, your your uh, customer base, what, what age would they be? You know, mostly people tend to think of antiques as, a, as an older person thing. Uh, so so people in their 50s and 60s, and because antiques generally are, are expensive, and, and people tend to think that uh, you have to have a lifetime of wealth accumulation to buy antiques. But what we see is... We're starting to see people in their 30s and 40s coming in and buying antiques. And then they might have gone to, you know, a large box store and bought a chest of drawers for their daughter and when she was two or three, and now they're seven or eight, and the chest of drawers has fallen apart. And they say, well, why don't I want to buy her something that's going to last three or four years? I'd rather buy her a piece of furniture she could take to college and take to her first well, house and on and on and on. That's very interesting. And, and we're hearing that more and more. You know, there's less, there's sort of a, pivot away from this sort of throwaway culture of, of buying things that don't last a few years and just kind of go on. So, Well, it's, it, it, it's, it's all quite interesting. Now, David's going to stay on uh, definitely for the second part of the show, and um, it, it's, it's really good to hear from an expert in the field, and of course people say I'm an expert too. But I'm not as big an expert as David because he's doing it all the time. I'm sort of not doing it as much. Now, you're listening to us on 1350 WZGM, Independent National Radio. And you can listen to me on my uh, Facebook page, podcasting there and talking antiques. And uh, we will be back shortly after the break. So please stay tuned. When you're down in Biltmore Village, go up to 755 Biltmore Avenue. They are village antiques. It doesn't look like an antique shop, but when you go through them doors, you're going into another world of fine antiques. They have French, they have Northern Italian, and of course American. So if you're just buying one item, or if you're buying a whole lot of items, please go into Village Antiques and tell David and Terry that you heard about them on the radio, and they will look after you. Village Antiques, 755 Biltmore Avenue. Well, welcome back to the second half of uh, Talking Antiques, and this is your host, Paul Perdue, and Matt is my producer, and we're here talking to David Leglise from Village Antiques, and just before I get back into talking with David, I just want to, you know, go over the first part of the show. David was talking about uh, how he got into the business, and, uh, you know, how he ended up in Asheville, and uh, what he did with him and his wife and so forth. So we're just, soon we're going to be talking about the second part of whatever comes out. I don't know what he's going to talk about, but we'll talk about anything and everything. So before that, I just wanted to thank my sponsors, Village Antiques, for uh, looking after the show here and allowing me to be on air. It's, it's a great priv- privilege. And of course, it's a privilege to be able to say it to David, who's sitting in front of me here right now. So let's get back on to it. So David... You were it, you found yourself in Asheville. You're into business about twenty five years, and um, you've seen a lot of changes. So Google, the internet has been a, has been a great influence. And you're right about being a double edged sword because you have all these experts that think they're experts and 
you know, you have all of these bluffers going around there thinking that they can... It used to be in the trade that a person come in and say, will you value something? And, or they'd go in and they'd look at your product or what you'd have and they'd say, well, I have that at home. What would you give me for it? Did you ever have that? Uh, yeah, you hear that all the time. Uh, I, I do a lot of antique shows and my favorite line is, well, my grandma has one just like that at home. And, and you say, oh, yeah. And, oh, I got now you hear it. Well, I got it on my phone. Let me show it to you. And so they pull up something that looks nothing like what you have sitting in your booth. But, but, but you have to sit there and say, oh, yeah, it's similar. And, and, and don't you, you have to smile as well. You smile a lot, yeah. And, and then they ask you, are you interested in buying it? Do you yeah, that's, that? that's the next line usually. <laughs> or, Do you want another one? <laughs> Well, Usually it's on Sunday after I've I've gone through the whole show and haven't sold that item, and they come in and say, "Well, do you want another one?" Well, if I I might want another one if I didn't have one sitting in my booth that I've been trying to sell all weekend. But <laughs> well, you could say, "But well, why don't you buy this one and have two of them?" Yeah, uh, have a pair. Everything it's very hard to get rid of. Them. In the antique business, a pair makes three, uh, because their <laughs> pairs are hard to find. Pairs are extremely hard to find. Now, it, it, in your shop, uh, and I have been in it many a time, and uh, and for pe- to, to let people know, I've also done a lot of restoration for you guys, both for you and for your customers that when you didn't want to do it. And I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, what do you find, uh, you know, you have jewelry and silver and stuff, uh, you know, pottery and all that. I have noticed that you have sort of moved uh, in different areas in that. Where, where do you find the flavor of the, of, of the year or the month now? Well, the thing for us that's always been constant uh, with Village Antiques is, is uh, French furniture. French, you know, you hear the term French country, and, and people kind of have something in their minds when they hear French country antiques. And it's really kind of this marketing term that, yeah. that uh, some guys came up with, uh, Pierre Frey, Pierre Deux, back in the 80s. Um, what it really is referring to is French provincial furniture or okay. French or Provençal furniture from the south of France. And, you know, the term is just, it mainly means furniture that's from the out in the country or areas outside of the major urban areas. So it tends to be more relaxed in, in proportion and in, in aesthetics, less formal, less uh, flashy, less, less shiny, you know, less gild, less gold. Um, and that furniture, French furniture, French country furniture, French, what I like to call French provincial furniture because mm. it's a more accurate term, um, has stayed constant with us. We've always been able to sell that well, and even now, uh, it's, it's in demand. And is, is that because of, of where you are? It's, it's partially where, I are, where we are. I think in the South, uh, people tend to uh, respond better to that type of furniture. It, it, it's a very warm, inviting type mm. of furniture, so... It tends to fit in with people's um, approaches to entertaining and to living, comfortable, relaxed. Uh, the mountains are, are very much a place that, that, you know, has that sort of vibe to it. Well, it, it, you know, like, and I suppose a lot of uh, the listeners would also know, people say French furniture, or this is from France, or it's French furniture, to sell it. Now... There is. You have to know your stuff to know whether it's French. Because if you go up to, we say, northern France, the country, you're getting into northern Italian. You're getting into Italian stuff, which is very similar. And you have to be careful. And, of course, you're getting to all of them countries. You know, it, do you come across that, where people think that they have French and they actually don't? Yeah, that happens quite often. I mean, in French furniture in particular, um, 
up until sort of the Louis XV period, as you kind of on the border areas of France, whether it's in northern France with Belgium or in southern, southeastern uh, or France with Italy or yeah. in southwestern France with Spain, the furniture tends to get be heavily influenced by the by the uh, surrounding areas. Yeah, the adjoining countries. So the furniture takes on a flair that maybe will muddy the water in terms of what it is. Um, it, so really what you're looking at are not only the, the, uh, the aesthetic qualities of the piece, you know, uh, the carving, the, the local sort of uh, aspects of it, but also the woods. You know, okay. in, in northern furniture, French furniture, tends to have oak, a lot of oak, a lot of cherry, a lot of pine. Whereas southern French furniture it tends to be walnut, it oh, tends to be okay. beech wood. It, you see, the woods can tell you a lot about a piece of furniture. Well, that's interesting. I just learned something new. So I've, it's good when I'm still learning. Now, I, I, I often had problems with trying to, um, you know, been in Ireland, I've, I've had problems with trying to, you know, uh, deal with customers. Have you, have, have you have had any funny or interesting things with customers either in the app but probably not we won't talk about the Asheville area because they'd probably be all listening but on your travels have you ever come across anything that happened that you could have a good laugh with when you think back on it now well I, I'll, t I'll tell you a funny story from early on when I got in the business in New Orleans um, the store I worked in in New Orleans uh, when I first got in the business we, we had a fair amount of celebrities come in the store and um, one of the celebrities that was a good customer of ours was Letty Kravitz and uh, he had a, a, just an amazing place in the French Quarter. And um, he'd come in and, and bought an armoire from us, a, a French armoire. And old 18th century ar French armoires are, are pegged mortise and tenon joints. So okay. you, they're yeah. designed to come apart fairly easy. So the doors come off real easy, <laughs> the, and you can break them down. Well, I get to his house and, 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 and the quarter, and, and the quarter, uh, if, any, if you've ever been there, the staircases are narrow they tend to be windy twisty the alleyways are narrow and uh so i i get there and realize pretty quickly there's no way that i'm going to get this this eight foot armoire up the staircase and i'm by myself uh you know i got hand trucks and things but so i i decide i'm gonna you know take it apart because i got to get it up there and i don't want to i don't want to mess this big delivery up and at this point i i only met lenny kravitz once and um so I, I, you know, decide I'm going to take apart the armor, but I don't have anything to mark the parts or anything. So I start wow. taking it apart in, downstairs in his, in his um, courtyard. And um, so I got all the pieces apart, and, and I uh, take the first section of the side up the stairs, and I walk into his main space, and there he is laying on a chaise lounge like, like a rock star. He looks like a rock star. <laughs> He's got a feather bow on, and there's about four beautiful women around him. And I totally forgot what I was doing. <laughs> I forgot about the parts. I, I went downstairs, and it just looked like a pile of wood. <laughs> well, well I, can, I can understand that if you go upstairs and see him laying on the couch with four beautiful women around him, that would sort of throw your mind off. It, and uh, I can well believe that you had trouble getting that piece back together again. Well, his, his, uh, his, let me just say his collection of feather bows was pretty amazing. <laughs> Well, that's very, very interesting. Well, David, it, it it has been a great privilege to have you here. I really am thankful that you could spend the time and, and, and talk to us today. Well, thanks for having me on, Paul. Uh, why don't you, for a few seconds, just tell everybody uh, 
where they can go for uh, if they want to. Well, yeah. Village Antiques, we, we have an amazing collection of stuff from almost uh, 50 countries. And uh, it's down on Biltmore Avenue, 755 Biltmore Avenue. Uh, we want to thank you for listening and please go to the Facebook page Talking Antiques and uh, listen to it on the podcast and I want to thank David again for coming in and talking to us about his business. Take care.